Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Mikey Sutton, the fly in the ointment. You're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of talking about our topic and introducing our very special guest co-host today, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Go ahead. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like-ski on there as well as Instagram and Twitter at... The Marvelists. Because I realize I normally just segment them all together. And yeah, segment. I didn't do that. I haven't. We haven't done this in a long time. We've had filler episodes and other episodes. And, yeah, and it's showing. It's filler. It's filler. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been going to the gym a lot more lately. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> also you can find myself on social media, facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster, as well as on Instagram and the Twitter at Peter Melnick. And Eddie, you're on Instagram at? Eddie9193. I, I recently, uh, I think I, I forgot somewhere, somewhere uh, I mentioned you, and I used, I think I put in the wrong Twitter name yet again. Twitter? Or, no, sorry, not Twitter, sorry, Instagram. Ah, uh, yeah, I think you did, you're <laughs> it, right. It normally happens, I just can never get it right. But I know that, I know that Eddie's in there, so. Oh, thank and goodness. Eddie is half the battle. Mm. <laughs> Eddie Dub. But anyway, so you can also listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, SoundHound maybe. No, probably not. But there's also (laughs) iTunes where you can rate, review, subscribe, and share, and five star if you're ever so inclined. And remember, folks, five stars is where it's at. Four stars and below doesn't work. It's like ice cream machine at McDonald's. That's a sign that not only have you not done that in a while, it's time to get rid of it. What? It's a good joke. I want ice cream on the on the podcast now, then. Well, then I'm going to get you ice cream. Okay. So. At least for four out of the five times. Maybe it can be pumpkin spice flavored based on your shirt you're wearing it's right the now. It's, it's, it's the season. Mm-hmm. For those at home, Eddie's wearing a very festive orange sweatshirt. What? There's no, it's just the color. There's no pattern or design but on it's it. It's very festive in terms of... Uh, it could be a thermal top, for crying out loud. I want to go to, I want to, go to pumpkin spice latte season. Go ahead. It's, I will. It's, it's everywhere. Your breakfast cereal and cookies and everything. My hand sanitizer, too. Yes. I, I, I use a lot of the packet backs from uh, Bath and Body Works. Anyway, like I said, four stars below just doesn't work. It's like the ice cream machine at the Mickey D's, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, McDonald's. But also, you can enjoy us right now. All, all of the above, yes. yes. And that was not a laugh track that was in the background. It is our guest, <laughs> direct from the West Coast. The best the, coast, The even. left coast. Unless you're looking at the map backwards. <laughs> Go ahead, finish it. <laughs> he is the fly in the ointment himself, Eddie. No, I am not. <laughs> Mikey Sutton. Mikey, how you doing today? Pretty good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I don't know you as the fly in the ointment, but I guess I will now. So uh, do we want to start there? <laughs> 
Well, you know, it, it, it was great being welcomed by Carly Simon, that's for sure. I mean, that, I mean <laughs> wow, what, what, what an honor that was. See, uh, see that? That's an extra that we the listeners don't realize, but we had Mikey on hold transitioning from on the handset phone to on the microphone, and Carly Simon was playing as the on-hold music. So there we go. Now you're, <laughs> now you're all caught up. Okay, great show. <laughs> Roll on snare drum. Mm-hmm. Pagliacci the clown is, you know, he's a terrible clown. I hate that clown. The worst clown ever. But, Mikey, one of the things about yourself is you're known as the guy with the scoops. Yeah, apparently. So where's my ice cream, though? I'm, 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 I'm missing <laughs> That's the perfect. Ice cream here. We got the right, right guy here. About ice cream. I don't have any scoops with me right now. Well, I'm sorry. This place is only soft serve at the moment. <laughs> You don't need scoops, so here we go. Okay, let's do our best. <laughs> yeah, apparently my, my, my latest nickname is Lord of the Weeks, which, you know, <laughs> depending Whoa. on how you want to interpret that. Yeah. There's at least two I can think of off the bat. <laughs> you stop that. <laughs> We're going to hit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three, there's like, the vegetable, right? Well, you know, I am diabetic, so I just go to the bathroom a lot, so oh, okay. I don't know if, that, if, it, if it means that. You know? It just means you're well hydrated, Mike. It just means that. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> and one of the things that I had recently read was one of the scoops that you had, you know, revealed to the world was the Disney Plus announcements of Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, and the one we're all loony for, Moon Knight. I thought you were going to say WandaVision. Well, no, this was the three that was not announced, and then D23 oh. came along, and they were like, boom, you looking for this? And Oh, got it. <laughs> and I'm curious, what do you think about those announcements happening when yeah. no one... Well, ex- Moon Knight I'm particularly excited for. I was a big fan of the comic book uh, back in the early 80s. I'm not sure if you guys um, you know, read, read those issues back then. Yep. I was alive, too, so... <laughs> uh, Peter, not so much. <laughs> in fact, definitely, no. <laughs> I, I was in the negatives, okay? Mm-hmm. Only slightly. Yeah, enough. It was eight, you're eight, negative eight. Okay, fine. Well, it's really, what I thought was really interesting is that people were expecting an R-rated version of the character, and, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I, I don't remember Moon Knight being particularly that violent back in the day, and... I guess you're looking for more of a more of the, the contemporary version of the character, um, which I'm not as familiar with. Yeah, in I believe the 2009 uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight or the uh, 2014, I believe. Although mm-hmm. it's not 2014, as far as I know. But one of the latter runs, he cuts off Bushmaster's face. Oh, wow. Okay, so, this is pretty violent. Then. That's That's why like a lot of people are like, are, are you going to do R-rated? Are you, you you can't do R-rated. You cannot do not R-rated. I'm sorry, but Deadpool you can do is PG-13. And again, so many people yeah. have said, oh, no, you can't do it. Why? Because he says the F word in the movie? Come on. You can get away with doing a PG-13 Deadpool as evident with the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, as evident with yeah. his appearances in the animated series. And it won't suck, <laughs> truth be told. So. Well, yeah, really, the only difference in the violence with a PG-13 and R really is the blood. Yeah. You take out the blood, you'll probably get a PG-13 out of it. I mean, The Walking Dead is TV-14, and while those are, you know, walkers and whatnot, it's mm-hmm. still pretty damn violent for that. That's the MA-14 you mean, right, I think? I remember it was rated TV-14 for a while. Oh, wow, okay. And those were, like, still, like, really gory episodes. Mm. 
So. Well, if you look at Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's, there's some pretty violent scenes in that show the past couple of seasons. So I can't really ask Eddie because Eddie lost all of it when the uh, great TiVo catastrophe of 2017 happened. But is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. worth checking out? Yes, it is. Actually, it, it got much better um, the last couple of seasons. It got really weird. Um, it kind of it kind of left its roots. Like you know, in the beginning, it was really trying to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and and narrator really, it was not the case. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they yeah, sure they had Lady Sif on there. They had Nick Fury appear, so they had those crossovers, and then. You had the that one episode, which basically was a prologue to Age of Ultron, um, and then you had one that took place before and after Winter Soldier. But the last couple of seasons, they went cosmic, and it got really bizarre. And I think that's where the show really clicked it for me. I mean, I, I liked the show pretty much from when the Winter Soldier crossover happened, but... The last two or three seasons, it really came into its own. Yeah, and I've, I've, again, it's one of those, I've been collecting the Blu-rays, and just, you know, eventually, there'll be a day I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and watch these. And mm-hmm. when I hear things like Ghost Rider shows up in it, I'm like, oh, I kind of <laughs> want to see that now. Well, that's where I was in it part for part of it, because definitely I was in for the whole first season, into the second, I believe through the second season, and yeah. then I kind of d- drifted away came back with Ghost Rider being in it, and then I think where the gap was, it was touted that, yes, they're going to be in space. And then I didn't pick it up from that point. Oh, yeah, you got you have to see those episodes, especially the, the, the Madame Hydra episodes. Um, it, it just it was a total, total mind-twisting um, a series of stories there, and... For an ABC show, this is really about as, as bizarre as it gets. You know? Well, you know, as you just reminded me when you said mind-twisting, I thought of uh, the FX show Legion. which yes, I, yes, yes. I, I went through the first season, and of course I'm just spinning, and didn't you know come back for when it when it returned. In all honesty, mm-hmm. your best bet with a show like Legion is just to go on Wikipedia and read the episode summaries, and then uh. it helps <laughs> fill in the blanks, like in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Like I do, honestly, I do that with a lot of comic book runs. I'll go on the uh, Marvel fan wikia and go in there and like, okay, this happened. Oh, so that's why that happened. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm still confused. Yeah, but I, I'm definitely interested in watching Agents of Shield though, especially because my boy Kyle McLaughlin is in there. Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So he was be, great in there. That's what I've heard, and there's so much, there is so much Marvel content out there on a mm-hmm. weekly. daily basis even that it's so hard to consume all of it you know oh yeah i'm like i was um, i had a stroke a year ago and i was in the hospital for about three or four months and i had to catch up on everything when i got back and like right now i'm still finishing cloak and dagger season two right now and there's just so much content out there there's there's almost almost too much that's on my list as well yeah (laughs) When you mention Cloak and Dagger, I just see him perk up. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get to that, too. How many, just give me the number, uh, seasons are we finished now or in the midst of with Agents? Agents, I think we're on season six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then season seven, I believe, is, is yeah, it'll be the last one. 
Oh, we know but that. Not, okay. Yeah, they confirmed but, but it. But not really. <laughs> we, oh, well, you know that, so we... <laughs> we'll see if it holds up. Yeah, well, you know, from what I heard before, they're, they're going to transform the show. I mean, it won't be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Um, they're going to form S.W.O.R.D. Gotcha. And you know, the last two seasons have been going in that more cosmic direction, so they're just going to fully embrace it. Yeah, and S.W.O.R.D. was originally a Fox uh, brand thing with the uh, X-Men, because I believe that came in through Joss Whedon's Astonishing yeah, they did, X-Men. Yeah, and, you know, and his brother is running Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so there's a family line there as well with, with, with Whedon. I find it funny that he, they have a Whedon involved, and yet the, uh, the main Whedon, the big Joss, he went over to the Distinguished Competition for a little bit for a <laughs> cup of coffee. Didn't fare too well either. I mean, nope. <laughs> Hashtag release like the Snyder the experience Cut. experience there, and his Batgirl um, project didn't get off the ground either. And it's, but I, I'm pretty sure he's going to come back. I do too, because there's just so much about his work in the Marvel movies that the fact that DC couldn't get something right, because I know there's so much meddling in there, that, oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. And I'm also, I'm very, very excited to see it, although this is the, the distinguished competition we're talking about. Yeah. I'm hope I'm very excited to go see Joker, New York Comic Con weekend. I actually have my ticket to go see that at the Lincoln Square uh, AMC. So I'm going to be seeing that bad boy in IMAX, so as big as humanly possible. I get to see a society in 70 millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> But. Well, the thing about the Joker is that if it's as successful as they are hoping it'll be, um, it pretty much signals the end of the DCEU as, as we know it. Yeah, because I know because, the Batman is going to be its own one-and-done kind of thing. and Yeah, exactly. But that's not going to tie in with Aquaman or, or Wonder Woman at all. It's going to be its own, its own thing there. Mm-hmm. and. They pretty much have given up on the whole idea of a cohesive universe. It was just too much to handle. And they don't have a Kevin Feige with them to, to you know, supervise all of this. You know, it, in my mind, I'm just going, too much to handle? Pish posh, come on. I mean, they, yeah, I know. They have, a jo- <laughs> they have a Jeff Johns, but in all honesty, eh, your mileage may vary. Well, they have a Greg Berlanti, too, who's done huge success with their TV shows. He's got, you know, he's doing a crisis on Infinite Earth, you know, after a couple of seasons, but... Everything I read about that, oh my God. Yeah, but they're not, they're not, they're not giving him a shot in, in, in the film division. They're, they're, not, they're not doing it. They, they see him as a TV guy, which is very unfortunate. Because some, someone with his enthusiasm... And knowledge of the comics, I, I think you do wonders for their, their their film division. And when you hear the stories about Lord Feige being like a diehard comic book fan to the point where he would go up to certain people that when they cast an actor, they'd go, yeah, I want to start reading, you know, I want to get into the character. He would hand them a stack of paperbacks and go, here, read these. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also uh, obsessed with Star Wars as well. And that makes perfect sense. Same, also, uh, next generation of Star Trek. He, you know, that... Uh, Endgame is essentially a love letter to the final episode of Star Trek. You know what? That makes perfect sense. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, aside from now Joker coming out, the one I can think of on the DC side is going to be, what, Wonder Woman 1984? Yeah, and there's Birds of Prey. And um, do we well, have dates yet for either one? 
I yeah, we do. It. I don't have them with me offhand, but I, I believe both have release dates already. Um, In uh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, Birds of Prey. I mean, the comic book is my all-time favorite. It's it's of, of all books to choose from. The Gil Simone run is is glorious. I absolutely love her her work on that book. The film I'm I'm hearing. I don't know who to trust on that, about that film, about the rumors I'm hearing. They, they sound so bizarre. I mean, I, I, I guess it might be true. I mean... <laughs> I had no idea Ewan McGregor was in the movie, and then I see him on the poster, and I'm like, Wait, that, is that Obi-Wan? And then I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, two things. When, uh, when was and or is the Birds of Prey run? When, what year or years was that, was that out? Okay, late nineties. It was started with Chuck Dixon, mm-hmm. and Gil Simone started writing it. I believe around two thousand four or five, around, around around that time. I had quit comic books for a while, and then I picked up Birds of Prey. And I picked up um, uh, Spider-Man: Human Torch. I was stupid, which is one of the funniest comic books I ever read. Oh, the uh, Dan Slott run. Oh, my God, that book was hilarious. Dan Slott is part of why I'm even doing this podcast. And when I got <laughs> oh, back Oh, really? In, wow, so what's the story behind that? Because basically uh, 2011, I was in college. I went to a party school, and I never partook in any of that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to, you know, I like the Marvel movies. I'm going to go read the comics, yeah. figure this stuff out. And this was the exact time Borders was going out of business. And when mm-hmm. Borders was going out of business, they had a spinner rack full of comics. And I saw one comic book cover that caught my attention. And it was Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know the number offhand, mm-hmm. but it's Spider-Man falling off of a movie marquee. And in his hand, he's holding the letter A as it says the Amazing Spider-Man. As mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. By the way, happy first day of fall of this recording. Gwen Stacy, crack your neck. But, oh, you know oh, what? Wow. <laughs> Do we really need to date the episode like that? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, snap. Again. <laughs> and people ask me, Eddie, what did it cost you? Everything. <laughs> A sore neck for Gwen, especially. Yowza. Okay, so which one's coming out first, if we know that? Wonder Woman or Birds of Prey? Birds of Prey. I think Birds of Prey is coming out first. Okay, it alphabetically. Has, very good. Yeah, it has <sighs> all the trailers now and everything, so... Whereas we haven't seen that much of Wonder Woman 84 yet at all, except aside from, from some still photographs. I've liked the posters that they're doing for it. I feel like that 19, like it's a 1980s slash 70s, late 70s, like, you know, design. Yeah. It was, it. yeah, there was a design that was out. It looked so uh, disco-y retro kind of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about 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 the about the sequel there. I I think it's going to be very, very different than, than, the, than the first one, which, which I like. I, I like it when they... You know, like, I love Paul Ragnarok because it was so different in the first two. I know that th- that's gotten, you know, some traction, if you will, already, even without a, a teaser, a trailer, because one or two cosplayers that I've seen on Facebook has already started going off about this is slightly different, a shoulder strap or something with the sword or the shield. So they're really, you know, they're they're all in already. Hashtag all in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not, a, um, is not a negative. It's just wonderful to, you know. Ah, this guy over here. Hey, come on. (laughs) In regards to with the whole Wonder Woman thing, one of the things about it that really gets me and catches me off guard in a good way is Kristen Wiig is going to be the villain in that movie. And I know her primarily as an SNL actress. And 
her work on there, she's an amazing comedic hand. So to mm-hmm. be able to see her in this, are they going to go for a humorous tone? Are they going to go serious? Because I've never really seen her do she, uh, serious roles. The spotted, she's going to be that spotted cat character? Yeah, a character I don't know name Cheetah. offhand. There we, sure. I was thinking Jaguar, but I think it's it's Cheetah, yes. It's Jet Jaguar. It's... I think if you're going to hire an actress like her, you hire her for a reason, and you, you play to her strengths. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to find a humorous side to her, but I don't think she's going to go like full-out campy or anything. Yeah. As long but as I, we I don't... I think she'll, she'll, she'll strike a balance between you know, seriousness and, and you know, being, being incredibly witty. But they're definitely going to play on, on her strengths, though. So. As long as they don't go super campy 80s and have Let's Get Physical play in the background while she's got, you know, a headband on, leg warmers. There's there's a fight scene song right there. There you go. Just, don't you wish that on us. Hey, now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I, if I would like that or if it might take me out of the movie. I'm trying to find those dividing lines there. You know what? They could they, if, that mu- if that music, if that song is playing during a fight scene, they could both stop, look at wherever that's coming from, and, and collaborate and, and listen. And blow that to smithereenies and then continue the fight. <laughs> Whatever. Well, if you think of the year, I, I mean, know. I got a thing they're going to have Maniac on the soundtrack. That's from the year. Ooh, that's possible. From Flashdance? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be a Flashdance reference in there somewhere. I mean, <laughs> a, a year before. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Now, also, one of the things, speaking of. Femme Fatale Heroes. We have coming soon Black Widow next year, and they just released yeah. some, I guess, information that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be a part of the movie. Probably yeah. a flashback scene, 99% yeah, most likely. Yeah, it will be, yeah. And apparently it's going to be deleted scene footage that was actually shown at D23, where he goes, mm-hmm. run, or get the hell away from here, or who are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> That's a Star-Lord thing, I thought. <laughs> Legendary Outlaw? Possibly. Pew, pew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lasers. That's right. Lasers. <clears throat> and, again, that's, you know, we're going to be seeing the start of Phase 4, and... Yeah. There's only so many different directions we can go. We just saw, also recently, there's set footage, which we're not going to share because, yeah, but there's, like, set footage, or not footage, but, like, you know, photographs mm-hmm. from the Eternals, where you see... What's her name? Uh, Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. She's wearing yeah. like a Roman goddess outfit, kind of. And then there's another guy in the background, like just normal. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There's so much. Well, we know that, you know, and it was hard to believe, I think, in a previous uh, podcast that we did that Eternals, really? Why? You know, it was big question mark. Why them? But hey, y- other things have happened with the same question, and look what happened. They did very, yeah, very well. I, I uh, scooped the Eternals in 2013, I believe. Damn. <laughs> and I remember telling my friends to get the first issue as soon as possible because I didn't know how long it would take for them to announce it. I didn't realize it would take this long. Well, they've gone through about three between regular and limited series runs, I guess, something like that. Yeah, the Neil, Neil Gaiman run, you know, besides the Jack Kirby. There was, there was one in between there. I can't remember who it was by. 1980s, I know that. Yeah, Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. But I always go with, like, the go-to one is, of course, the Neil Gaiman run, and it's... Is that late 90s or something, early 2000s? 2006. Okay. It's mm-hmm. one of those runs where you know the whole movie is pretty much just going to be based around that. And mm-hmm. you can't blame them because I've, I've tried to read the Kirby run. 
it should be rated R for arduous. Ooh. It's real. Like, I love the king. Some of Jack's work is so rough to read. Oh, you know, he is a brilliant artist, the greatest. I mean, when I was a kid, his art just blew me away. But even back then, when I was a kid, I could not sit through his dialogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm I'm currently going through a reread of the Kirby and Lee Fantastic Four and just reading that. I'm, I'm having fun with that, but I'm also realizing yeah. it is so much of Stan's snappy dialogue that's making yeah, me enjoy yeah. it. And my personal favorite part was, I, I want to say it was number 17 or 18. I just wrapped that one up. But you just hear Ben go, uh, the kid over here, Johnny, wants to watch TV. He wants to watch the Mickey Mouse Club. And then you see, like, the next panel, they do a mini quick callback to it and the line of, uh, and Ben, don't lie. You were the one that ordered those Mickey Mouse ears when, or, uh, Musketeer pin when no one was looking. <laughs> well, no, you know, no, no diss to the king, but one of the things that I have mentioned before and I thought maybe it fit the way the dialogue was written would be in yeah. the Devil Dinosaur comic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was not continuous, not flowing, it was broken up, maybe it fit there more than anything else. When uh, Moon Boy was the lead uh, human, I guess, next to the <laughs> the, the, the red dino himself, you know. <laughs> Which is the human, Eddie? Is it the red dinosaur or is it the little uh, human guy? I, I hesitated when I said human because it was, you know, it's, it's mm. kind of, it was on his way to be anyway. awesome looking. Dinosaur though he he can he can he drive dinosaurs or what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean the, the the readability factor though is not very strong with Kirby's work. For me, I I recently just collected like the entirety of the Fourth World stuff, like you know, in paperbacks mm-hmm. and. Uh... <laughs> can you imagine if Stanley had written those instead? I mean, you know, Stan really humanized his characters. Absolutely. And like I said, I always go back to this. We see how much of a strong family dynamic the Fantastic Four have, and that's because of Stan's dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when Stan, or when Jack was drawing those, because the, the whole write comics the Marvel way was artist draws the panels and the, art, the writer will just fill in some stuff. You know that if it was Jack writing that, we wouldn't really have an emphasis on the family dynamic. We would have more like, oh, they're adventurers, they're this. Yeah, it would be more like, like, like uh, Challengers of the Unknown. Yeah. Mm. And, and he, he wrote for DC. It would be more like that. And Stan humanized them. He made them characters that you care about, characters that you love. And it's so hard to find nowadays. Well, you know, like, no, no offense to the challengers, but no one remembers them as fondly as I do the FF. I mean, can you name one of them? <laughs> you know, we Tito. all know Reed, Sue, you know, Johnny, you know, Ben, you know. I yeah. can't name the challengers of the unknown. Like, those characters, you know, didn't really have much personality. Like, like Kirby drew them well. The mo- he always did. The most personality the challengers showed was in the Teen Titans Go to the Movies, where they show up in the front row of the movie theater. Yeah, there you go, yeah. So, that was Marv Wolfman wrote that, right? Uh, the, the Teen Titans go to the movies? Oh, no, no, the film, okay, I'm sorry. I'm in in the movie, they just randomly show up while uh, Nicolas Cage Superman is talking, and, oh, it's such... It's, Teen Titans yeah, go... Yeah, they never had that kind of uh, a, a personality in the comic books. <laughs> Fans listening to this show right now, if you're a fan of the snappy dialogue and just the fun humor of the Marvel movies... I cannot recommend Teen Titans go to the movies enough and the series in general. It's 
such a fun show. And yes, I realize there's a lot of people out there who will go on saying, oh, they ruined Teen Titans from when I was a teenager or when I was, you know, this. <laughs> it's a completely different beast. Like, that's like saying, man, Adam West Batman really ruined the character for me. You can have multiple Stop. interpretations. No, there are people that go on about that. You've seen them. How can, oh, yeah. Oh, I no, don't no, I, I've heard from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but saying Adam West ruined the character? Yeah. There are people that feel that. But who pre who who came before Adam? The guy in the film serials who had a pack of cigarettes uh, hanging out of his <laughs> utility belt. If you watch one of those, there's a legitimate blooper where his pack of cigarettes falls out and he picks them up and grabs them. <laughs> uh, you know, that's where I came into the Batman scene. A pack of cigarettes was with ba- yeah. That's exactly right. Um, well, with, you know, if, if you if you read the Batman comics of the fifties and early sixties, they're very campy. They were really like the Adam West Batman. It was actually faithful to that era. They're so bizarre. I love it. And I mean, Batman was like fighting aliens and stuff and different planets. And you know, it was just it was more campy than the TV show ever was. Well, you nobody know, ever used things from the uh, TV show uh, since then. I mean. Let alone, Kinda. well, I don't Some know. Some characters appear. I, I, I'd really have to think about it and go to watch more, you know, Batman movies to see where the villain's lair is shown on an angle, kind of oh, thing. The Dutch tilt for one Dutch tilt, right? Or the words "bamf" and "thwap" or well, Bam- "ug." Bamf appeared Sorry. in a different company. That's a, that's a different, right? That's yeah. that. That's that blue-skinned devil, the fuzzy blue devil. Yeah, the the, the holy one himself. But to see oof and baff or kaplooey, you know, those coming across the screen, I don't think anybody else did something like that. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because um, when I saw Do the Right Thing in the late 80s, Spike, the Spike Lee movie, um, all the weird camera angles and the colors of that film, like, was this inspired by the old Batman show? Uh, it's as strange a comparison as it seems. If you ever see that movie on cable, just watch a few minutes of it and think of the old Batman show with the way the camera angles are. Or it'll make you think of it then, maybe, too. Jeez. Wow. All right. But you also got an education. You learned some new words that came up on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) And when it was, you know, oof, you had a tongue coming out of the O and oof or whatever. (laughs) Not a Rolling Stones version either, but yeah. Stop that. That's a music reference. We've been overdue for one now. (laughs) That's some more, eh? It's been at least seven minutes. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Oh, come on. It's been at least six minutes and 54 seconds, Eddie. Stop it. But, yeah, but you know what's really weird, though, is that the Green Hornet show was on at the same time, and that was a pretty serious show compared to Batman. And yeah. look at the, I guess, look at the difference. I was totally unaware of that. I don't think I knew about it at the time growing up. Mm-hmm. So, or my parents kept me from knowing that it was there. I, I don't know. What I really find funny, though, about that whole The Green Hornet show, by the way, that was only one season. It only lasted yeah. one year. And I was looking up because... So, did it not rerun um, at all? It, I believe it ran into syndication, of course, and which is kind of funny because you need X amount of episodes to go into syndication, but they're like, mm. eh, Bruce Lee, good enough. And they're just, <laughs> you know. But, and it's also one of those shows, it's never seen a home video release. It's like, it's tangled up in more of the, you know... Tang- legal wranglings and all that stuff, whatever the term would be. Red tape. That too. Yeah. I was going to say red, red tape, tape, but I was like, is that political? I don't know. Yes, primarily. <laughs> but all the, you know, legal red tape and 
I think they were really banking on the Seth Rogen uh, Green Hornet movie to do well. Sure, I was thinking of that. Yeah, they were. They were. So they could release, re-release the uh, series on home video. And no, if it did well, they probably would have. But they're like, oh, the movie with <laughs> that movie didn't do well. What a shock! Although I've never seen it, I've heard it's actually pretty decent compared to other, you know, mm-hmm. comic book movies. So it's just it's on my list. Of course, it I is. have I have a copy of the DVD. So I, have it's on, on my I have it on Blu-ray, but it should okay. be in a green I case. I actually saw it in a theater. Um, it was like I barely remember it, honestly. <laughs> Again, yeah, that's one of those where you want it to have more of an impact, but it's just like. Out of all the movies I've seen in my life, that was one of them. That was one of them. <laughs> and I think the the vehicle from the movie was the Green uh, Hornet Mobile making the rounds in some yeah. at some cons and that kind of. Not too many though. I don't think we saw too much of it uh, appearing. Well, it was a replica. Of oh, yeah, I love the car. I mean, I think the character visually it really works, but wasn't sure about the comedic angle they took. Seth Rogen was in that film, I believe. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think they could do a good Green Hornet um, if you know. Let's say they cast uh, Henry Henry Cavill as, as a Green Hornet. Ooh, I like that. And then have like a real director behind it, make it more of a mysterious character. Well, shit, you know, that's green, that's green light. That's not like let's make a movie out of this now. You know. I mean, I could also see what's his name, Army Hammer, in the role. Because Army Hammer does a lot of those, you know, yeah. kind of characters. Like, he did yeah. Lone Ranger. He did The Man from U.N.C.L.E. He wasn't The Man from U.N.C.L.E., wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, with Henry Cavill. Both okay. of them were in there. So you, so you have two Green Hornets in one film. <laughs> I'd be, I would so be down for that. And the other thing about that whole issue is, by the way, any of you out there, I think it's on Comixology Unlimited, so if you have a membership for that, check it out. Or go to your local comic shop or go to your local library and check out the Kevin Smith Green Hornet run, which it ran two volumes, so, you know, two paperbacks, and it's really good. It's like, again, that was that day at Borders in 2011. I grabbed a copy of that for myself. I'm like, you know what? It's Kevin Smith. I love Kevin Smith. I'm going to give this a read. And when I read it, I really enjoyed it. Plus, it's got some Alex Ross covers. You can't go wrong with Alex Ross. That is correct. Oh, yeah. Anything he does, I mean... Guy is just a, a master in his craft. And but can you imagine a Green Hornet film with, with Henry Cavill, have a sit like in the 30s, and have Christopher Nolan direct it? I'd be down for that. I like that. A kind of film noirish type of you know yeah. look to it. I mean, a billion dollar franchise right there. <laughs> I I would actually like to see a Tarantino Green Hornet. Oh man, that's yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's even better. I mean, it's not the first time he did something involving uh, Bruce Lee, as evident with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Although, watching uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I believe that movie takes place in 1969, give or take, around that time. Yeah, yeah. And one of the little, uh, there's like one mistake for this movie. I'm like, actually, you guys, you should have done this. For me, it's this. If you look at the soundtrack, they have like a lot of... uh, that one radio station on the West Coast in California, in Hollywood, L.A. Mm-hmm. KBIG, KBIG. It might actually be, but it's one of those, and they have... K-Earth, 101.1. I don't know what it is. I remember a couple of... It's, it's, K, not, it's, it's not like K I'm something. listening from way across here. It's like I took a trip and, and listened to some radio, but that was in well, 1990. I'm, I'm actually trying to pull up now the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, oh, soundtrack okay. on my Spotify. But one of the things is this. They had soundtracks, like audio clips from... 
what's it called, from that radio station, and they have an Adam West and Burt Ward commercial going, if you listen to WP... It's not a W, it's it's California, it's K-something. Oh, whatever. Of course, yes. Get it right, buddy. <laughs> and I use the oh, term how loosely. How can he oh. miss that? That's the most obvious. Yeah. <laughs> KHJ, Los Angeles. Okay, fine. But with them, they use an Adam West and Burt Ward commercial... And you'll win the ability to guest and hang out with us while we oh. film an episode of Batman. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> yeah, they were gone for a year by then because the series started in 66 and ended in 68. Mm-hmm. And yet had how many episodes? So many. Yeah, see, that, that, that's shocking to me, too. I didn't realize it was only on for two years, really. But they, they amassed so many episodes, too, because it was a twice-a-week show. Because you have, you know, the one night and then the next night you have the, the uh, resolution. So. People just burned down on it so quickly, and the fad kind of faded away. Which is a shame. And in regards to a lot of these things, I feel you have a person that is in a role, like an Adam West, and then you have so many different interpretations of the character where, okay, you have Christian Bale, you have Val Kilmer, you have yeah. Michael Keaton, and they're each someone's favorite. And there, yeah. there will always be the argument of George. Yeah, who's the best? Well, yeah, but we don't talk much about him <laughs> or Ben. Yeah, and then you have a character like a Wolverine, where he's just got one actor, but everyone just wants it to be him over and over and over. And I, I love Hugh yeah. Jackman, and I do hope if something happens, maybe he could still be, you know, Wolverine. We don't know, mm-hmm. but. If if we see somebody new, I'll give it a shot. I've always heard the the Daniel Radcliffe rumor. I'm like, huh? He is the right height. You bulk him up a little. I mean, Chris Evans doesn't actually look like Captain America when you know he's shirtless. So yeah. Well, yeah. The other thing I'm thinking though is if you do a Wolverine movie, what time period are you possibly putting him into before dinner? <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, he's, he's been around for so long, right? Put him in World War II, put him in the Old West. I mean, you know. Yeah, but if you if he comes back, though, he could truly be, you know, Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, but then it's confusing with the timelines for John Q. Public, where they're just like, wait, wait a minute. We're past the point of confusion. It's yeah. just, here it is. Deal with it. Yeah, I think they're just not going to follow any, any continuity with, uh, with the Fox movies and just start off with a clean slate you can't blame them i mean we had a conversation after we did our uh, catskill talk we were sitting at the dinner table and eddie actually gave me kind of like a wait really i bought dark (laughs) phoenix on (laughs) blu-ray because i also realized well they're owned by disney now so that price ain't gonna go any lower for a long 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 time and i just bought mine my copy regular yesterday (laughs) i was just like well i'm gonna have to buy this stink burger of a movie but I don't, but Mikey, one of the things you had mentioned before we had even recorded, you have something to tell us about Wolverine. Yeah, there is the uh, there is discussion about a Wolverine versus Hulk film that I, I scooped on my page before. Um, the Hulk will not be a title of the film, but the Wolverine Hulk encounter is going to be an inter- inter- integral part of the movie. And what they're thinking of right now is possibly introducing Wolverine that way into the MCU. That would be a good way. And what they're discussing right now is 
not to use Wolverine or Logan in the title, but to call out Weapon X. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. I've, yeah, and I've never thought about that. It made me and think. It started off in the beginning um, where the Hulk is in Canada and Wolverine is, is, um, is um, sent by Department H to, to, to get the Hulk because Hulk is considered a threat. Yeah, especially now that he's crossed over international borders, I guess, right? I'm... Yeah. But I thought of when you said, you know, introduce, bring him in, of the one X-Men film, which had, of course, some time twist in there, where I believe he was discovered by Cyclops and Jean Grey. That was, their, I guess, their first meeting. And... What, discovered? Like he's an aspiring actor on yeah, exactly. like an off-Broadway like show? First, uh, first meeting and hope we never run into him again or something like that was said. Wolverine, you do a hell of a soft shoe. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I just imagine him wearing like one of those little straw, you know, hats, the flat top, and he's just like holding a cane, doing a da da da. Oh, he is the showman. (laughs) I can't, I can't can't see that now. (laughs) He is the best there is at what he does, and what he does is a pretty rousing number. (laughs) There you go. Uh, don't forget to tip your waitress. I mean, <laughs> don't try the veal, because that's just baby cows. Stop. Ooh. <laughs> oh, now, there's a plot twist. <laughs> Imagine the reaction of the, the diehard Wolverine fans out there. <laughs> Wait, is is the baby veal... Is the baby veal scroll <laughs> From Fantastic Four number two? See, that's fresh in my memory, Eddie. Okay, they, from yeah, from what you're reading now, I guess, yeah. But one one of the things in regards to there's another just, one just doing a Wolverine movie. Yeah. I, my my dream scenario would be to bring him in through Alpha Flight because yeah. I I've heard rumor and innuendo that a Alpha Flight movie or something might happen, and well, yeah, that's in this this uh, this story here. Um, where Alpha Flight is, is, is a group that sends Wolverine out to get the Hulk. That would be cool. And I've noticed there's more of a reliance on Alpha Flight in a lot of the stuff going on at Marvel. For example, the Sam yeah. Squatch, or Sasquatch, is involved <laughs> in Immortal Hulk. Walter's, you know, a part of uh, Gamma Flight. And then you have, mm-hmm. like, I've noticed they just did a one-shot for, uh, it was like four different Canadian teams working on, you know, an Alpha Flight one-shot. So you have one story, two story, three story, four story, banana splits. And then, hmm. uh, that reference was awful, Peter. No, no, it was okay. I, I mildly chuckled. <laughs> mildly. Yeah. That's that's putting it very... Uh, As opposed to a guffaw. Oh, guffaws are pretty great, though. That's right. That's I, belly I, laugh. You know who I love? I love the guy who played Mr. Fantastic, Jan Guff, Guffaw. Gufford. Yeah, Gufford. Yeah. Him, too. Grufford. Grufford. But in regards to just that, you know, you have that one shot, and then they randomly did a reissue of Alpha Flight number one, and I'm like, with the facsimile edition that Marvel does yeah. so often now, which I have, funniest thing is I haven't picked up any of those, because I'm like, eh, I don't care enough. And then I see, oh my god, first appearance of Poison Ivy, I'm gonna buy that. <laughs> so, I don't know. Wow, you just jumped across the universe again. <laughs> I, t- I turned into Jimmy Stewart for a second, too. No, I didn't mean that. Clarence. Is that what you were doing? Really? It sounded pretty terrible, didn't it? It sure did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do. A, I do a better Jimmy Stewart. We'll save that for the holidays. Oh. I think that probably raised to sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> my really? Imp- my impression? <laughs> raised it. <Yeah. laughs> but 
in regards to that, I, there's so much cool stuff. And just, yeah. would would you say that's your uh, fly in the ointment moment for us today with the uh, Wolverine scoop thingy? Yeah, yeah. Just like, I gotta mention this too. Um, some of the stuff that you see that the comic book division does is kind of a preview to what's coming in the movies. Um, like, you know, like the Black Knight, for instance. I mean, everybody was just, you know, uh, rumor, rumored to be in, in Endgame, but he wasn't. But he, he was definitely coming to the MCU. And mm-hmm. you had that, uh, that uh, Avengers uh, story that was reprinted I think a month or two before Endgame came out. And that, that kind of got all the, the rumor mill running wild because they thought, hey, does this mean he's coming in Endgame? No, he's not, but you know, there's, there's a reason that the comics division is doing that. It's like if they release an omnibus for some reason or an epic collection for a story arc that's not even that popular, you just got to be kind of suspicious about it. Yeah, didn't they just recently re-release uh, the Korvac saga as well? I think so, yeah. I mean, you find some really obscure stuff. I think one of the most interesting ones I saw a couple of years ago was Skull of Slayer. Like, really? You're, you're, really, you're reprinting Skull of Slayer? Why? <laughs> All of what, seven issues from the early Oh, God, why does 70s? he know that offhand? <laughs> no, because I have it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, don't get me wrong, those are fun books. I just thought, is there, is there a market for this? I mean, there's got to be a reason for this. And well, it's funny you say in Korvac Saga, because I think at uh, Terrificon in August was, uh, was it David Michael Wenzel, if I'm getting the name right? David uh, Thorne? Wait, uh, was, was that the guy who did the sound effects from Police Academy? No, no. <laughs> but that was one of his uh, credit. one of his, uh, I don't know if it was his only Marvel credit, was the Korvac Saga. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I didn't realize. Yeah. My my one thing also is again they're introduced they're they subtly reference characters that might be involved in the future and yeah like you had said one for me I'm curious as to why there's so much Death's Head stuff going on now mm. is there like maybe hey we just want to show some love to the you know Marvel UK fans that you know this stuff has never been re released da 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 but why is there a random well, Death's Head yeah, mini? I think if, you know, Captain Britain is coming, then, you know, some of the other Marvel UK stuff would be, you know, coming. Wait, is that how well. Captain Britain started? As, uh, yeah, in, Marvel UK. Marvel, Marvel UK? UK? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My first was with Excalibur, but... I'm sorry, Damn Marvel Team-Up. Marvel Team-Up, that was it. Ooh, look at you. Like number 66 or something, man. Look it yeah, up. That was uh, John Byrne, right? That's Spider-Man. And, uh, I believe so, yes. And it leads yeah. to the introduction of my favorite supervillain in Red's... Marvel history. What? Oh, Arcade? Ar- yeah. Arcade oh. is genuinely one of my personal favorites. He's Disco Joker, and if I ever do a convention where I'm not doing press or anything, I'm heavily considering doing Disco Joker Arcade. Well, hmm. you see, there's, a, there's a, a scoop for you right there. Uh, <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect segue. <laughs> what, that I'm going to do a cosplay? No, uh, <laughs> um, Arcade is one of the villains they want to initially use for the X-Men franchise. That makes perfect yeah. sense because we haven't seen him utilized in anything, in like a film adaptation yeah. or even animation. 
Because I don't believe he's even in the uh, X-Men animated series. Oh, wow. You know what? I don't think he has. I, I, can't, I can't recall ever seeing him in, in one of the cartoons. I just can't narrow down which which place Arcade appeared first. Whether it was, it was in Marvel the Marvel Team-Up. It was in the Team-Up and then in the X-Men run? Yes. Okay. Because Claremont wrote it, and Claremont's like, yeah. you know what? I like this guy a little bit too much. I'm going to bring him in here. Mm. Not a little bit too much. Maybe uncomfortable, like, too much. Well, they don't want to use uh, Magneto for a while. I mean, they, they really want to, um, you know, take a break from all the characters that, that, that Fox kind of burned out. And, you know, Magneto was, was he in every X-Men film? Yeah, he, let me see, X-Men 1, 2, 3. First class, he was in there. Yeah. We don't count the uh, Deadpool or Wolverine movies, though, because he wasn't in any of those. Yeah, outside of the, outside mm. the, all, all the group films, he was in there, right? It's If yeah. Further Hammer is home to point, he's the X-Men's Doctor Doom, where you have to have him in every single thing. <laughs> yeah. And it kind, of, it kind of bums me out, because there's so many great X-Men stories you can tell that don't yeah. need to have Magneto or, you know... Yeah, Mag- Magneto or Magneto. Oh, jeez. But... One thing on the topic of Magneto, by the way, we haven't talked about this. We haven't had an episode since, but uh-huh. in the rumor mill right now going around is if they do bring in Magneto, mm-hmm. there's going to be a change up and it's going to be <laughs> Magneto and Charles Xavier as a person of color each. And I'm fine with it, but I am curious whenever I hear people saying you can't differentiate from the story. Okay, that's fine, but... And I just realized I'm really high pitched for that. I don't know why. But <laughs> it's three now. You've you've used your butt limit. You stop that. I'm a butt man, okay, Eddie? Hey. Way over it. You want me to shut that microphone off? <laughs> but anyway. There's, just there's to be me and Mike. Information there. <laughs> Thank you. TMI all the way. As I was saying. I'm trying to. Yeah. In regards to that, Magneto, there we go. If you have Magneto be the you know, the version he is in the comics with the, yeah. you know, Holocaust backstory, it's kind of hard to do the story now and have him be an imposing villain. Yeah. Because he's going to be more than 100 years old, I believe. And... Mm-hmm. <sighs> no. <laughs> unless you do time displacement, unless you do all the different things that they do with the character, like... Now he's a baby for some reason. Or, you know, oh, we just throw him back in time. We're just going to throw him back in time now because, you know, clearly he hasn't been through enough hell. So, well, or, or Kang the Conqueror, like, adopted him or something, right? And took him through time. <laughs> which, by the way, speaking of Kang the Conqueror, I actually just finished up the original run of Young Avengers. And, damn, if they do not adapt... Like, they obviously, they're not going to do a straight-up adaptation, but there's so yeah. much in that run that they could utilize and make oh, into yeah, such definitely. a fun story. So, Eddie, comment? Yeah, well... Regarding, regarding um, this, I don't know where this rumor came from, but it's not true. <sighs> um, there, there is so much um, racial diversity already with, with the X-Men, they don't, they don't have to do something like that just to prove a point. Right. Because they've tapped um, into, yeah, virtually, uh, mostly across the board, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we saw Thunderbird on The Gifted, but we never saw him in, 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 in movies, you know? How is The Gifted, by the way? Because, again, there's so many shows, much like Eddie, I have an inordinate, inordinate, Eddie, say the word. Good enough, inordinate. There we go. Amount of catching up to do <laughs> in my television world. 
So I've never even gotten to watch it. I've wanted to. I enjoyed the first season, and I believe I have to watch. I have recorded the second season. Um, I like The Gifted uh, quite a bit. I mean, it got, it got canceled, unfortunately. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the show. Well, maybe then I'm uh, caught up then. <laughs> Legion, I admired. Like, I only saw the first couple of episodes of Legion. It's hard to sit through. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very challenging show. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I said it. Really relate, the characters aren't really relatable to me. I don't know. I mean, just <laughs> I, I find it kind of cold and a little distant. You know? I, I just love Eddie for the whole. See, it is confusing. It is confusing. Yeah, it's not just me. <laughs> no, I, and I'll say it before too. I said it when Mikey does. No, because, but if I had been caught up with my X Men and the whole Legion storyline that was in there, maybe it would have helped. Yeah, yeah. But I am still not there yet. You know, so. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with the character in the comics either, so that was another thing for me. It's like I don't have that kind of connection to uh, him. The only connection I know is it's it's Legion, comma, son of Charles. <laughs> Xavier. Thank you, Eddie. I would have I th- would have thought it was of Barkley. Well, you know, <laughs> it's possible. There's a lot of Charles out there. Not the one in charge. Or Perala. <laughs> mm. All right, so before we wrap this episode up, yeah. we want to tell you, Mikey, thank you for being on the show today yeah, and so talking much. with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Well, likewise. hope we didn't take up too much of your time with our no, no, chicanery. No, no. It was a blast. I'll, ha- I'll have you know, Eddie, I prefer shenanigans over chicanery. Yeah, you've mentioned both, though, in the past, so <laughs> dig up an old word and it's new again. I'm going to use that for like five episodes in a row now. You do that. I just want to do a little shout-out here to some friends of mine. I want to do a shout-out to Lords of the Longbox uh, YouTube show. They've been supporting me the past couple of months uh, with my scoops and a really high-quality show that you guys should watch. And also uh, Pete's Basement up in New York. They were the guys who um, helped me break the original Fox Disney deal and also the original Spider-Man deal back in 2015. Is that somewhere in New York undisclosed, or uh, <laughs> otherwise I'm going to say Peter Melnick here. I didn't know anything. How dare you hold that back from well, me? I don't even have a basement. <laughs> it's Gr- code. Ground floor, baby. It's co- code for something. Okay. Hey, just one more. I just want to say um, hello to an actress friend of mine named Kate Valdez. I'm trying to get Marvel Studios to cast her as Wave, um, the Filipino superhero. I've this case for a wave campaign on my Facebook pages, and I think she's perfect for the role. So, Marvel, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you so much, guys. I look forward to hearing the show next week. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. Oh, okay, uh, I'm Mikey Sutton, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Wait, there's more. The long-awaited return of Obsessed with Marvel. Just to show how bad we are at these questions. I'm pretty okay. And oh, Mikey no. Sutton is tagging along for the ride. Thanks, Mike. All right. Maybe he'll help get us get some answers right here. Let's see, see if I can get one. So we go with question number 824, which reads... Armbar. No. Who is Ymir, if I'm saying it right? And it's spelled Y-M-I-R. Is it... The son of... Dragon? Is it Warrior Troll? Is it Ice Giant or Storm Giant? Who is Ymir? Dragon, Warrior Troll, Ice Giant, 
Storm Giant. Mike, you guess first. I say uh, Ice Giant? Yeah, I'm saying the same. Saying I'm just going to go along with the crowd and go for C. And that is correct. We're off to a good start. We usually go through three questions right. and try not to push our luck too far. Or or the or the audience's uh, patience, for that matter. Okay, so flip ahead. Let's go to uh, 1,000. Flip, flip Wilson? One, well, you know, he's a distant relative. 1,000. <laughs> oh, my God. Nine, <laughs> he lives very far away from where. Anyway. That is my favorite reference in joke you've ever made. 1936. What a year it was. I wasn't around. Okay. All right, 1,936. The question is, who was Willie Lincoln in Daredevil number 47 from the year 1968? Who was Willie Lincoln? A blind veteran, excuse me, a blind Vietnam War veteran, a lawyer opposing Matt Murdock in court, a reporter for the Daily Bugle, or the henchman of Star Saxon? Who was Willie Lincoln in Daredevil number 47? A blind Vietnam War veteran, a lawyer opposing Matt Murdock in court, a reporter for the Daily Bugle, or a henchman of Star Saxon. We'll give it to you again, Mikey. I'll say the first one. The blind Vietnam War veteran. I'm going with the lawyer because I feel like... Now, what number of Daredevil did this appear in? 47. Okay, this is the 19... Or this is the 1960s, 1970s, where they really have to hammer home a point. They're just like... Okay, this person, uh, Lincoln was a lawyer at one point. They were going to name him after a Lincoln. Honest Abe. Like, okay. they really... So got, okay. That's me. I'm, I am between A and B, actually, because I don't know about a henchman of Star Saxon. I don't know that character name whatsoever. And and a, a Daily Bugle reporter like that, just... I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with B, the lawyer. Here we go. It is not B. The answer is A, the Damn blind it. Vietnam War veteran. Mikey, yeah, two for that two. Is actually, Stan Lee's all-time favorite Daredevil story. Really? Yeah. That was good. We didn't rehearse that. <laughs> my my gut said my gut said that before you, Mikey. I I as God is my witness. But now, what what number of Daredevil was that? Forty-seven in a row. It's in my run. Uh, you got the runs. I just kind of pictured it. I'm actually going to add that in my Marvel Unlimited right now. It actually reminded me of a uh, of a character. I think that's Gabriel Jones from the Howling Commandos. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It just struck of the name had that familiarity sound to to me. All right, and for the third and final question for this episode, seven oh four, and it reads: Which of the immortal elders of the universe first appeared in Marvel Team Up? And the choices are: the Grandmaster, the Collector. The gardener or the contemplator? Which of the immortal elders of the universe first appeared in Marvel Team Up? This is a repeat question because I remember this. Do you? Okay. Yeah. That book is deceiving us now. The grandmaster, the collector, the gardener, the contemplator. I personally remember three, the first three uh, as possibly being in Marvel Team Up, but I'm, I'm, I've narrowed it down to three myself. But anyway, Mikey? Oh, man. Uh, I would say the collector. Yeah, I'm saying that too. You're saying collector, okay? Because I do remember Grandmaster probably later. I think Gardner was earlier. All right, so let's just all, all in one here. Um, the collector, B. No, the answer is the Gardner. My gut was right again. Holy wow. crap on a cracker! Wow. And we got it wrong that time too. By the way, we got it deep. <laughs> <laughs> we got it wrong that time too. Great, thanks for the memory.